Welcome to the Elusive Consumer. Today, Ellie is recording live from FutureFest in Toronto. She's speaking with multiple guests, including James McLeod from MindReader Media, Arezu Azerbayi from Trend Hunter, Auntie Heitinen from OP Lab, Giselle from Warner Brothers, and Luke Thomas from HP. In this first interview, Ellie speaks with James McLeod from MindReader Media. Ellie doesn't know. We, we, <laughs> know. We're going to hit the ground running here. So how, how are you enjoying yourself here at the Future I'm Fest? I'm loving it. I love it here. Saying, this is my first time in Toronto. Oh, and this is your first time? my first time at the Future Festival. And okay. It's, it's been amazing. How's it been for you? It's absolutely awesome. And, and I want to talk about a few key things here. Mm-hmm. One, we're in one of the most diverse cities mm-hmm. in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And as a follow-up to that, this is one of the most diverse, both by gender, by race, by socioeconomic background, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. that I've ever been to. And I've been from conferences from here to Timbuktu. Right. So to see such a wide birth of people Mm -hmm. who are looking to learn about the future trends that are going to be happening in society, I think it's very, very empowering and enlightening because AI, I I feel, is going to be one of the things that is going to revolutionize our society over the next 20 years. So the team, Jeremy, Army, and and the the myriad of other people that I haven't had a chance to memorize their name yet, I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to like saying like, Wow, I was there when we were talking about this in its infancy. Right. I'm not sure if if you remember, but I remember when the internet just got started. Absolutely. And you dial up. Were, I'm sorry. Dial up. Oh, dial up. <laughs> You've got mail. I remember I was there, and, and I'm I, I didn't understand it yet because they're like information is going to be going all over the place, and mm. you'll be able to send this, and it didn't hit us until certain benchmarks until we had the AOL, until we had like some of these chat rooms, until we had email that became common Mm -hmm. for everybody out there. And then once I grew up with it while I was in college, Mm -hmm. university, for those people who are like, you know, more Canadian, um, (laughs) what happened? I was like, oh, this is going to be going everywhere. And it was the idea of somebody can become famous Mm -hmm. just by being a writer and telling good jokes or eulogizing certain types of data and Isn't science. Isn't that amazing? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Or I could be talking to a wonderful person like Ellie <laughs> right in front of me. Absolutely. In front of the greatest conference on earth. Right. I mean, what you touched upon there is so much what our podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Bringing data to the masses. Yes. Making sure you capture everyone's perspective and making sure that when you consider doing any research or innovate any products or any service, you are thinking about everyone it and is. understanding what that looks like in mm-hmm. terms of diversity, in terms That's of right. age groups, in terms of gender. How do you do that in your business? Well, my company is called Mind Reader Media. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we t- help brands tell their story via social media. Right. So what we do is we always start off and say, what is your client avatar? What does your ideal client look like? But not only that, who is the person that you would like to start talking to as well? I like that. And just as somebody famous, a lot more famous than me said, if mm-hmm. you don't know your what gets, what gets measured gets managed. So what are the data numbers that you have behind this in order to to basically promote this particular claim Mm -hmm. so i've run into companies they're like well we want to talk to these people but we really don't know or our clients are really anybody and i have to say to them hey look no it's not so let's start niching down let's start looking at some of the metrics that you have already that are available through the meta Mm -hmm. uh through tiktok and say okay we can kind of start a baseline and say 
44% of your audience is female. Uh, 60% of your audience is between the age of 25 to 45. Mm -hmm. What are their interests? What are their income levels? And how can we drive growth so that we can maximize them? But what is the area of opportunity that you're overlooking as well? Right. And some people are a little bit reluctant for that. Mm -hmm. But with us, we want to say, hey, look, this is your window and this is your door. You have an opportunity to go through both, but they both provide you with great opportunity. So I really get excited about that. I was not a numbers guy in school. No? I hated numbers, but now when you see the opportunity that knowing your numbers provides, mm -hmm. it actually gets you excited because you know that translates to client satisfaction. Exactly, but it's looking at what those numbers represent. And it's data points are people. That's right. People are what makes your products and your services. Without those data points, how are you going to improve? That's right. So you would say you're a data-driven organization then? So when you're in social media marketing, mm -hmm. you generally have two types of people that are on your team. They, mm -hmm. they want fall in between one of two categories. On the right side, these right-brained people, mm -hmm. well, guess what? They are the people who are going to be a little bit more creative. Mm -hmm. They are. They might be left-handed, <laughs> such as my, I ain't going to name any names. No particular But they're going to be mentioned. very creative, and they're going to be worried and concerned and caught up in all the aesthetics mm -hmm. of some of the content and, and stuff that you produce. Right. That's great. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, you may have some, a lot of left-brained mm -hmm. people. And they are so data-driven. They want to tell the logic behind the story. And what we have to understand is that there's a convergence point. There's a point where, A, the logic introduces it, but the decision is driven by the emotion behind all that. Absolutely. So the best way to make this as a story, and I may have to charge you for this, this little <laughs> insight. Step one, introduce a story. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mary had a little lamb. Her fleece was white as snow. Okay, that's a good story. But now this, what is the data behind it? Did you know that lambs owned by the woman Mary are 60% more likely to produce more, more wool than lambs owned by X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Now I've merged both your left and right side of your brain yep. and culminated to being able to help you help your end user be able to make a more a stronger buying decision. Exactly. I mean, that's what research is all about, combining the what and the why to better understand your customers. That's what we do day in and day out. Look at you. Oh, <laughs> Look hey, you. high five. I got to give you a high five on that one, girl. You did a good job on that. You picked that up quicker than football. All right. <laughs> football. A football fan then? Of course. Hey, I'm, hey is, is, Are we is, is the sky blue? Is American football? American football, NFL. Okay, all we're going to have Go a Bills. problem here. So, football is what you play with your foot, which is Americans soccer. Okay, <laughs> I understand. Yes, there is a bit of disparity, but that's also coming back to what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. If I say football in America, of course, we're talking about the NFL and all of its major teams. Right, right. But I understand that if I'm talking to a client, a client that has a global audience, exactly. well, how are we going to be able to deviate and throwing in that one particular word, mm -hmm. American football versus soccer? Well, not soccer, <laughs> football, 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 you know, <laughs> and also there's some people who get offended, mm -hmm. Americans who get offended when we say football is the real sport. Oh, no, it's right. not. Right. But we have to understand what is the mindset that is that is behind the people who are receiving this message. Absolutely. And I think it touches upon the important word of the day, empathy and authenticity. Go. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of talk about it, but how do you stay authentic and truly engage with your customers? I think it comes down to what is the what does my client or what do we value mm -hmm. as a team? 
Do we value people being honest with their numbers? Of course right. we do. We don't want to hyper fluff stuff. Right. And we want to be authentic in terms of what have we produced for previous clients. Mm -hmm. Have we produced strong numbers, poor numbers? Our agency isn't the strongest with high level design and, and aesthetics, mm -hmm. but we are very good at being great storytellers. Mm -hmm. So we say, hey, look, if, when we approach a particular client whose mm -hmm. uh, who's brand we want to basically market for, we'll say, hey, look, if you've got compelling stories that we can translate in via social media, we're the best team for you. But we're not gonna be out here just to chase a dollar and mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not comfortable talking about your message and translating your message. And that's what's very important. And it's important to be with other brands that feel that same way. Mm -hmm. Because if they're moving into an uncomfortable space right. and starting to talk about things that they have no idea mm -hmm. what they're talking about, it's going to translate on camera, it's mm -hmm. going to translate in how they speak about certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see sometimes there's been historic case studies of brands missing the mark completely i ain't gonna go into them because hopefully <laughs> they can be my client someday <laughs> but we've seen them and it's like what were you thinking well you mm -hmm. went into a space mm -hmm. that was inauthentic to you mm -hmm. you maybe you didn't have you didn't a, run your research you didn't do your research <laughs> you didn't have the right people in a room to right. tell you hey look man this is a bad idea mm -hmm. you can't say this around mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. You know, you don't market a uh, you don't market the New York Yankees mm -hmm. into Boston. Right. Um, do we have time for a quick story? Absolutely. So here's an interesting story. My family actually owned a, a, a hamburger franchise. OK. I'm from Western New York. Mm -hmm. It is Go Bills, Go Sabres. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the world can keep spinning as, as, as long as those teams are first. Right. This was a franchise that actually moved into the Western New York market. Mm hmm. And on their packaging right. said the official brand, I don't care if I throw them under the bus, it's okay, they're <laughs> cool. The official brand, uh, the official sponsor of the Toronto Raptors, oh. the Toronto Maple Leafs, wow. uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the, the soccer team, football team, excuse me, mm -hmm. and everybody that was owned under MLSE. Right. Well, you're doing this in a market that supports a completely different hockey team historically. Right. So when they see this, the immediate customer reflection is, well, why do I want to support you? And you're supporting an out-of-market team. Right. So we have to understand nuances like that are super important when you're moving into a, into a country, into a region that you're not familiar with. Mm. If you are in Boston, you don't support New York and vice versa. Mm -hmm. If you are go Maple Leafs, then you don't you don't go into Sabres territory right. or any other territory that has a historic leash to it because the emotion that is tied to that right. is so, so deep. And let's face it, we both know mm -hmm. one of the strongest allegiances that people have across the board are to their sports team. Because Absolutely. why? That is their doggone tribe. Of course. Where do you find your tribe at? Like, where do you see like... Food. A Food. Okay. All right. Come on. Let me in. Let me in, Ellie. I what mean, are some of your favorite I foods? I think I was talking to a lady earlier in terms of what brings people together. It's how we dress, yes. how we eat, what we eat. It builds communities, right? So for those of you who are listening on Spotify, all my favorite <laughs> friends out there, Ellie has the sharpest navy blue pantsuit. <laughs> I think she just came. She's like, 
uh, I think she was a stand-in at at Suits or something like that with an amazing red nail polish and her hair is absolutely <laughs> flawless. So make sure that you follow her. What what's your at right now, Ellie? <laughs> the Elusive Consumer. The Elusive on Consumer. Spotify on Spotify and Apple. And Let Apple. me just add that Saint looks fabulous She's with right. his orange glasses. <laughs> So um, before we let you go, you touched upon a a number of things that I want to dig deeper into. You mentioned storytelling uh, capabilities. In this era where everything is moving to technology and AI, that's such an important skill to have, right? To connect with your clients, with your consumers. What other skills or talents have you identified on your end that is going to survive this new era? Agility. Mm-hmm. Some people talk about strength. Some people talk about uh, in- uh, intelligence. Mm-hmm. It is your in- agility. How fluidly can you move mm-hmm. from one particular point to the next? Because guess what? In today's business economy, in any economy, period, you have to be able to move, right. pivot, and yep. adjust to what's going on. Absolutely. It's like you have to be a cerebral uh, contortionist. Chameleon. A chameleon, yeah. 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 You know, you have to be able to adapt to those times. And yes, as we t- talked about before, you do need to be able to still stay true to your core values. Right. But those core, how do those core values still get represent best in your society that still reflects to everybody? Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a lot of different pushes in terms of community activism, in terms of uh, initiatives in terms of people wanting to work from home. Right. So the agility is what's most important because that will allow you to adjust every single time. Mm-hmm. And granted, you may have a 200 person workforce that's behind you, but if they're not able to adapt, if they're not able to change and you are not nimble, especially in today's workplace, it's not going to happen. Right. One of the key things that we've talked about or they've talked about at uh, the Future Festival is that employees will not be replaced by AI. Right. Employees will be replaced by other employees who know how to maximize AI. Mm -hmm. Because there is a learning curve, Mm -hmm. let's face it. But the good thing is, is that we all have the capacity to be great Mm -hmm. if we take the time to invest within ourselves. Ellie, I think you're investing a lot into yourself. (laughs) You out here, you're grinding, girl. (laughs) It's all about the hustling. Amen to that. Final question, unrelated to anything else. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick a theme song that plays every time you walk out, what would it be? I'm so glad you asked that because <laughs> I ask myself that every time I see somebody get up and speak and I'm like, what would I come out to? <laughs> so there's a song, uh, a record by Feral Monk. It came out literally like 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. featuring Buster Rhymes. It's called Get the F Up. Okay. And it's and it's a remix of the Godzilla anthem, and it goes bump, 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 bump. And I said, "That's what I'm That's getting up because I want people to get up. I want them to feel the power, and I want them to be able to receive all the energy <laughs> that we're going to be giving out and the great value that I'm going to present to people." I love it, Saint. Thank you so much for your Ellie, time. It's been a it blessing. A you are awesome. You. So all right, one more high five for the road, and that's Addy. it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Up next, Ellie speaks with Arezu Azerbaiyi from Trend Hunter about event planning, emerging tech trends, and the role of AI. All right.
right. Hi, Arzu. Welcome to the Elusive Consumer. So lovely to have you. Thank you so much. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So you are with Trend Hunter, I am. the organizers behind this amazing event. Tell yes, us a little yeah. bit about your role at Trend Hunter. For sure. Yes, I'm a business developer representative here at Trend Hunter, and I've been with them for more than one year now. So woohoo! <laughs> You're enjoying it. I am enjoying it very much. It has been a very beautiful journey for myself in my personal life, mm -hmm. uh, as well as my career, because I've learned a lot from emerging trends that we are offering our clients. So mm -hmm. it is definitely impactful in my personal life as well. I was going to say, I mean, the theme for this year is the year AI changes you. It's such a dramatic sentence. What made you guys think of that? And talk to us about that in terms of the planning ahead of this event. For sure, yes. As you know, like all the businesses are trying to keep up the pace mm -hmm. with this journey. Yeah. AI is definitely the biggest thing right now. And obviously, we want to make sure uh, as the largest trend spotting platform in the world, helping our clients to stay on top of this emerging trends mm -hmm. and um, try to help them to change accordingly. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of AI. AI is not definitely not there to uh, you know harm us it is definitely there to help us in our day-to-day -day roles in so many aspects it can help us to simplify what we're doing and saving us a lot of time and other resources right do you feel it's helped you and your role at this company Oh, yeah, for sure. So at Trend Hunter, we are definitely working on the culture of AI and basically embracing AI as something that is happening and we need to get adopted to it. So it has been, I can tell you, six, seven months now mm -hmm. that uh, we have been working on so many AI applications in our day-to-day -day roles, definitely a lot of time-saving processes going on. I personally am really enjoying that, mm -hmm. leveraging a lot of AI tools uh, in order to help us in our day-to-day -day roles and also help our clients to stay on top of the cutting age trends. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're all excited to be here. It's been fantastic so far. What part of this particular festival excites you the most? Oh, <laughs> definitely the trend safaris. Well, basically all of it. I love Future Festival to the most. Uh, this is one of my most exciting events in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that I'm working with Trend Hunter and I get to experience this beautiful event. However, Trend Safaris are literally like bringing the trends to your life. Mm -hmm. We are going out and seeing the businesses that are living and breathing trends. So that is very impactful for our attendees. They can see um, after after the keynotes that we are presenting on day one, definitely on day two, we are going outside of the seminar and go to different businesses that they actually um, broke that taboo and started to use the emerging trends, specifically AI. So they are not as scared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we want to show everybody that this actually works and how um, amazing can be the experience of businesses out there when they're leveraging AI for their day-to-day -day life. And do you think that's important also from a consumer point of view? So our podcast is all about how to reach 
the elusive consumers of today because the consumer behavior has changed so dramatically over the years. Talking about the pandemic and the last few years now with AI, what are your thoughts there in terms of what AI can do for consumers and the end user? Yeah, for sure. So as you know, with every chaos, changes are happening, yeah. innovation comes up. So you know that after each chaos, a lot of opportunities are coming with it. And obviously, AI is one of the biggest ones. Mm -hmm. um, it is even in my opinion, it's even bigger than pandemic mm -hmm. because it's something very new to so many people different age ranges. It's not just about a specific age, like not just Gen Z, that they're so used right. to technology and all of that. Even my parents and grandparents needs to get used right. to it. Right. <laughs> so that's why like, it's very important to help them understand mm -hmm. and see how they are basically, what is their perspective, how they would like and how it's easy for them to leverage AI in their day-to-day -day role mm -hmm. um, and life, mm -hmm. not even role. Like they day-to-day -day life because AI is changing our lives in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be honest with you, we are here today basically to show people how AI is going to change our lives, mm -hmm. not even uh, only at our workplace, in our personal life as well. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for us to see how people are reacting to that mm -hmm. and how we can keep up the pace with people's insights, with consumers' insights in these days. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, you talked a lot about personal. Let's talk about Arzu. <laughs> yes. What is your why? What makes you wake up in the morning? Oh my God, I am waking up every morning to learn. <laughs> like literally every morning, my uh, main uh, impression, my main excitement is to learn more and more. And obviously this is uh, the best opportunity for me with working with Trend Hunter. It's uh, such a high speed mm -hmm. company. We are every day like chasing the emerging trends and what else can be better than this for me? Honestly, like I got my dream job, to be honest with That's you. That's so wonderful so to happy. hear. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that, Arzu. Before we leave, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Any life motto, any key learnings that you've absorbed throughout your career or attending these events? Anything you want to say to our yeah, listeners? For sure. Every, every, even every chaos is a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we never should give up. That is basically coming from a person that has a lot of ups and downs in her personal life. So what I can tell everyone is that every ups and downs of this life is a learning opportunity, learning curve. So we just should keep going and try to uh, be thirsty for knowledge and knowledge basically brings that power that we are looking for. That's such a great motto to have. Thank you so much. We You're really appreciate welcome. it. Thank you so much Thank for, you for having joining me us. today. Thank you so Thank much. You. Have a wonderful night. You too. Next up, Ellie talks to Antti Heitinen from OP Lab, a division of OP Financial Group in Finland, about innovation in Scandinavia and understanding diverse customer needs. Hi, Antti. Welcome to the Elusive Consumer here at the Future Festival. Thanks for having me. Awesome to be here. So is this your first time here? Yeah, it's my first time in Toronto. It's my first time in Future Festival, and so far it's been great. Wonderful. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Antti. 
So uh, I work for OP Lab, which is the innovation unit of OP Financial Group. Uh, OP Financial Group is the largest bank as well as insurer in Finland. Mm -hmm. So we are the market leader in retail banking, insurance and corporate banking. And uh, what OP Lab does is that we accelerate innovation within OP Group. So uh, we like to say that we teach other people at OP how to fish rather than bringing the fish on the table. So uh, uh, we arrange workshops, we uh, do rapid experimentation, uh, we do customer validation, customer engagement, uh, lots of different stuff. Uh, one also big area is like emerging tech, emerging trends, and that's why we are here at the Future Festival. So you live and breathe technology. Yes, yes, that's. And you've been here before. It's not your first time. Uh, no, it's 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 my first oh, time. Oh, it here. is your yeah, first time. First sorry, time sorry. Yeah. So what brought you here? What was it that um, caught your attention? It's, it's a coincidence. <laughs> like to be to be honest, it's uh, my colleague Franz who is also here. He happened to see, like, we were going through, like, what events should we participate this year? And obviously AI is a big theme, a big theme that we are looking into. Right. And uh, Trend Hunter and uh, Future Festival came top of the list. And we were like, yeah, we're going there. Like, all the agenda looked great, sounded great. And, uh, yeah, no regrets so far. It's, it's great to be here. Right. Talk to us a little bit about your consumer strategy, if you could, Sorry. in terms of your customer strategy and how you approach your customers and consumers. So again, being a financial group that is over 100 years old, mm -hmm. uh, we are a like, banking cooperative, so mm -hmm. we are owned by our customers. So uh, that's, that sets the foundation for mm -hmm. the customer strategy. So... Uh, so taking its 20, uh, it's 2023, we still have 150 branch, branch offices in a country that has 5 million people. And some might say that it's very weird, but uh, how OPC's customer strategy is that we are, we are a local player, mm -hmm. like we have the local branch offices and they, they together comprise the whole thing, what we call the OP financial group. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, when it comes to innovation, it's been a huge benefit to have like very different kinds of like, we have Helsinki, which is a big city in Finnish ter like mm -hmm. Finland terms, mm -hmm. but then we have smaller cities in North. And when, when we do like OP Lab, just collaboration with like all of the, like the big ones and the small ones. And uh, it's great to see like the difference between those, because they have different needs. They have different approaches to doing like customer management customer uh, like overall it's 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 different so it's a pretty interesting uh, field to play in absolutely yeah. we were talking earlier about Scandinavia in general and innovation it's such a big hub of startups and yeah. technology why do you think that is that's actually a good question I think um, there is um, Obviously, like lots of talent. Mm -hmm. uh, I come from a city called Oulu. Mm -hmm. The origin, like, or Nokia was founded in Oulu. All right. So, uh, for example, in my city, like Oulu, um, when when Nokia mobile business went south, mm -hmm. <laughs> to say, uh, it was definitely a hit to like to the local economy. Mm -hmm. 
but then it was also a blessing because now we can see like lots of like amazing startups, amazing already scale ups within the whole, like northern area. One example is, for example, the Aura Ring, like mm. the smart ring company that's also uh, founded in Oulu. I so, didn't know uh, that. So it's like a very innovative place to be in. And uh, but I I don't know. It's it's a great question actually. I I haven't <laughs> really thought about that yeah. too much. Yeah. No, I think it's a cultural mindset thing as well. I, growing up there, I saw a lot of that. People are hungry and curious. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah it's and it's also like we we want to think that even though Finland is a small country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finnish people are relatively tech savvy. Mm-hmm. Like, like for example, mobile banking was introduced uh, already back in like 2000, mm-hmm. and like Finnish people are relatively like early ad- adopters when it comes to new tech. So it's good like a sandbox to play in, right. like for startups to first try out stuff, right. and then go abroad, like to Germany, UK, right. North America. But also how the government emphasizes, you yeah. know, sustainability, technology, yeah. innovation. Yeah. I remember the fact that recycling was always a huge thing in yeah. Sweden growing up. And it's yeah. very, very great to see that governments yeah. push that agenda. Yeah. So, um, Auntie, I've held you long enough, but I do have one last very important question right. to ask you. If there was a theme song that played every time you walked on a stage, what would that be? Oh wow! <laughs> you got me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hmm. Theme song. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, this is an odd one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I like a, odd ones. <laughs> it is a French classic. Oh. Le Lac du Connemara. <laughs> well, I don't know that one. <laughs> you should. You should listen I to that. I will look it up. It's a very traumatic song, <laughs> and. Um, I don't even know, like, why I know the song, but <laughs> I know all the lyrics, and it, it's it's such an oddball, and I I, and that I like to you. <laughs> I, I like to I like to you know get people off the guard as well like you just did to me. So I think, I, yeah, I bet no one else has said "Le Lac du Connemara" no during your interview. No one has said that. Yeah. I uh, love that answer. Thank you so much, Auntie, for joining us. Awesome. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Thanks. <laughs> Next up, Giselle shares insights on connecting with audiences through authentic storytelling and diversity at Warner Brothers. Hi, Giselle. Welcome to the Elusive Consumer here at the Future Festival. Yes, it's my first time attending um, and I'm enjoying it. Um, I was interested in attending because um, I um, work in um, Culture Insights, which is um, a discipline that um, I started at um, Warner mm-hmm. um, that really looks at shifts in society, what's happening in culture, but mm-hmm. then um, it's rooted obviously in trends and understanding how trends are impacting different generations, how mm-hmm. they're um, impacting um, our um, fans mm-hmm. um, and, and what that means for the future. What brought you to Warner Brothers to begin with? Yeah, um, I've always loved entertainment ever mm-hmm. since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always loved movies, specifically classic films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also um, a big James Dean fan. Oh, <laughs> and love him. I actually just came from his hometown. I visited um, his hometown for the very first time. They had a festival this nice. past weekend. So um, 
anyway, long story short, <laughs> um, I just love um, entertainment and movies, and I'm a big believer in the power of storytelling mm -hmm. and um, how stories can be an agent for change mm -hmm. and how stories can um, influence people and their lives. Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. such a great point. Storytelling is everything to connect with your audience. In terms of connecting with your audience, we spoke a little bit earlier about diversity. I know that's a topic that's close to your heart. So tell us a little bit about how Warner Brothers are approaching that topic. Yeah, so there are a few different initiatives. Mm -hmm. um, I can't, you know, speak to them of in course. detail, of course, of course. but um, we're making a concerted effort to make sure that productions, so at that level in terms of um, on-set um, uh, initiatives are being implemented. Mm -hmm. So whether that means um, crew members, um, whether it means behind the scenes um, mm -hmm. in terms of um, who's in the writer's room, mm -hmm. um, that there are um, really intentional efforts to um, bring more um, inclusivity and different points of view um, into those um, uh, environments, but also the corporate environment, too, in terms of, you know, those of us that work in the corporate space, too, and that aren't on the sets or um, aren't right. off on location somewhere. Um, and I think a big piece of it is, you know, understanding that diversity, for me, a personal definition of it is um, the breadth of somebody's life experiences. Yes, it includes, you know, some of these more um, traditional dimensions, mm -hmm. um, like biological traits mm -hmm. or um, uh, things like, um, you know, gender orientation and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But my personal definition of it, too, is that it's about the different life um, circumstances and experiences that really have shaped somebody's identity right. and their worldview at the right. same time. Right. That's such, a, such an mm -hmm. important point. Mm -hmm. And especially in a market like North America, mm -hmm. where without it, you lose true representation. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And, you know, I think it's definitely um, a work in progress for anybody who is trying to um, implement DE&I in their mm -hmm. organization. And I think a big part of it, too, is acknowledging um, that you're not going to get it right the first time um, right. and that it's a process. And you have to embrace that, I guess, fear of not not getting it right because right. there's no patent answer mm -hmm. um, and every situation is different. And so I think that um, as long as the intention is there mm -hmm. um, and it's authentic and genuine, mm -hmm. um, I think that can only help in, you know, pursuing um, the, in the initiatives that will help get us to a better place. Right. And a key word you mentioned there was authenticity. Mm -hmm. how, how is Warner Brothers staying authentic? That's a really great question because I think that that's a very challenging thing mm -hmm. in any industry. Mm -hmm. But I think with, for instance, culture work and trying to tap into what's happening and, and keeping a pulse on those things, research, right. being, um, you know, very open to always learning and being curious. And um, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you're hearing things that you don't want to hear, mm -hmm. um, that's how you grow and that's how you stay authentic. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now let's switch topic to technology innovation, the okay. reason we're here today. Yeah. So this theme is the year AI changes you. What are your thoughts there? Well, um, you know, I, I came partly to, to kind of immerse myself mm -hmm. because obviously in the work that I do, I'm reading so much about AI mm -hmm. to the point that it's just become very overwhelming. Right. Um, 
and even here at the at the conference, you mm-hmm. can feel a sense of feeling overwhelmed with all the information that's being yep. um, presented, mm-hmm. and it's great information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that with AI, um, there needs to be this spirit of um, being open mm-hmm. um, and just kind of. Also being open to taking it at your own pace mm-hmm. um, and not being afraid of it, you know, and trying to understand how to apply it to what you're doing and to your life. And, you know, I think something was mentioned yesterday about chaos, the chaos, like embrace yes. the chaos. Yes. And I I really kind of took that as a takeaway for myself because I know I can feel a little, again, overwhelmed, mm-hmm. um, but it's about breaking it down then. So like this is happening, try and understand it, take it at your own pace and then see where, where, you know, it can best, again, something that was said today, um, uh, work to enhance your creativity and your productivity. Right. Right. mm -hmm. One other thing that we've, uh, listened to today was the generational gaps and the differences in, in their reaction to AI and technology in general. How do you feel about that? Well, I do a lot of generational work in mm-hmm. in my culture insight work, and um, I do feel that I I'm a proponent in looking at generations in a way where um, we can all learn from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, where um, yes, there are certain characteristics that definitely apply and um, represent each of the different generations, but at the same time, I think that um, we shouldn't get boxed into thinking that. You know, if you're a boomer, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're not necessarily going to be embracing this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing with TikTok, for instance, TikTok has become very democratized now in terms of who's on there. Absolutely. You know, you, you see a variety of different age groups on there and right. people of different backgrounds. So I think the same is going to happen with AI, to be honest with you. It's just going to be very specialized in terms of what it means for you and um, where you are in your life, your career. Um, and again, how it best can enhance um, your life. Right. And what about AI in terms of teams and cultures and getting buy-ins from the different generations on on your team? How, how do you handle that? Yeah, I think um, that's another area where it's going to be a learning process, I mm-hmm. think. Um, because if you have a group that's maybe a little bit more hesitant and um reserved about it mm-hmm. or fearful about it um it's trying to understand first understand like where are they coming from so right. you know really um uh kind of understanding um what what are some of those um factors driving and driving why they're feeling the way that they're feeling of course um and then working through that you know mm-hmm. and and not trying to not trying to sort of um force anything on anybody and as they say meet somebody where they're at so mm-hmm. if, you know, you, again, want to take something at a different pace, right. being open to that and mm-hmm. and understanding where, you know, maybe um, uh, intergenerational um, teams mm-hmm. um, can work together and collaborate um, within the context of AI in a way that works for everybody. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I want to switch topic to consumer behaviors. Mm-hmm. So we've seen after pandemic and obviously before pandemic and during that behaviors changed quite dramatically. In terms of the ent- entertainment industry, what have you seen change and how are you preparing for the future for, for those changes? Yeah, um, I think one of the main things um, 
a few a few different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we saw the role of entertainment change. Um, mm-hmm. You know, entertainment perhaps before the pandemic was maybe perceived as this frivolous thing or just right. this thing for leisure. Right. But I think the role of it has really shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that people are embracing it for all these different things now, whether mm-hmm. it's education or whether it's advocacy and mm-hmm. using entertainment as a tool um, to promote messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge history lover. Mm-hmm. And um, with what's happening in the U.S. with um different legislation around um, academic curriculum around U.S. history. Right. Um, I really am passionate about the opportunity that this presents for entertainment Mm -hmm. to play a role, for instance, and fill that void um, where, for instance, kids growing up today that are going through grade school may not learn Mm -hmm. certain aspects of U.S. culture, the good, bad, and the ugly, Mm -hmm. and entertainment can play that role of exposing them to these things, you know, Mm -hmm. and and exposing them, not again, to um, sort of um, uh, with an agenda, but exposing them so that there's understanding and that there's awareness so that we can grow and learn from our mistakes Mm -hmm. as a country and as, um, you know, a people um, in in terms of what has been um, done in the past. So I'm a big believer that educate that entertainment can play that role. I love that. That's mm-hmm. such an interesting aspect. Entertainment as education. I think that's often it's forgotten about. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I also think that, um, you know, from a family standpoint, mm-hmm. um, the way that um, families are engaging in entertainment, particularly, for instance, we know that um, there were a lot of multi-generational um, households that emerged mm-hmm. um, as a result of the pandemic. Now, mm-hmm. In other cultures, that's a norm, right. you know, but um, I think in for the um, majority of U.S. households, that right. um, was a new thing because mm-hmm. you had, you know, uh, college students moving back home, but you also had, you know... Um, uh, families, um, mm-hmm. older adults who had families moving back home to um, um, get help with um, childcare from mm-hmm. their parents. And so it created this interesting dynamic in terms of the multi-generational household and what that means now in terms of entertainment and um, who watches what, who picks what, and right. kids influencing what their parents are getting into and vice versa, parents influencing what kids are into. Mm-hmm. So I think that's here to stay in terms of um, this um, kind of um, um, cross-section of influences. So it's actually bringing people closer and bringing families back together. Agree, definitely. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about trends. Mm-hmm. In terms of trends that you've seen or transformative new technology or thoughts or ideas for the entertainment industry, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that, um, you know, right now we're in an interesting um, uh, inflection point, mm-hmm. if you will, because mm-hmm. of, for instance, the strike that thankfully the writer's strike that just um, right. ended um, and AI. And what does that mean mm-hmm. for um, writers and the future of um, content? Right. right. Um, and I think that there is um hopefully more of a focus on the emotion that mm-hmm. um that comes from a human being mm-hmm. um, being able to tell a story mm-hmm. um, and and have that connect with so many different people. People, I often say that with research, it's so fascinating to me how one person can be so complex mm-hmm. and yet we're trying to understand the mass. Mm-hmm. And yet the mass is comprised of individuals that 
in themselves are so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's really um, interesting. Um, I also think that, you know, with trends in entertainment, um, there's definitely, I think, a, a shift towards looking at entertainment again um, uh, in terms of well-being and mm-hmm. wellness and um, what it can mean for um, mental health, what right. it can mean for, um, again, your holistic well-being right. um, and how it can play a role in um, that aspect of your life. So, right. again, similar to what um, I, I mentioned before, is that mm-hmm. it, it's moved from, you know, sort of maybe just leisure and this kind of frivolous thing to playing these different roles in people's lives. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, Giselle, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you. I have one last question, yeah. completely unrelated to anything we've talked about, mm-hmm. but I ask all my guests. So, if you had to pick a theme song that would play anytime you walked out, <laughs> what would that be? That's a great question. My goodness, I can't <laughs> even. That's an awesome question. <laughs> so, anytime, like, I'm just starting my day and, yep. and that song comes on, oh my word, wow. <laughs> <laughs> mm, um, we've had everything from Eye of the Tiger, we've oh, had Beyonce's, awesome we've had French songs, we've had, yeah, pretty much everything. I'm going to say um, Living on a Prayer because I was blasting that oh, or okay. like just singing that out loud last <laughs> night at um, uh, where I um, was having dinner and um, it just... It just invigorated me. So I'm going to say living on a prayer because it speaks to how I start my day praying, but then also just um, the hope that you you feel as you start a, a new day and um, sort of the anticipation and the aspirations you have for the day. Fantastic answer. Fantastic song. Fantastic guest. Thank, thank you, you so much. All right. Thank you so much. And finally, Luke Thomas, also known as the Earthshaker, explains his passion for emerging tech and how HP is innovating for the future. Hi, Luke, and welcome to the Elusive Consumer here at the Future Festival. Thank, thank you for having me, Ali. So nice to have you. We've been talking throughout the few days that yeah. we've been here, and it's been such a joy and pleasure to get to know you and learn about your passions and everything yeah. that you do. But tell our listeners... Yeah. Um, who is Luke and what does he do? Luke is uh, the earth shaker uh, <laughs> at HP. Yeah, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a futurist as well in, at HP. Mm-hmm. And I talk about the latest tech trends and what the company needs to do in the, you know, moving forward. And I'm also a chief of staff for the CTO in HP as well in HP Personal Systems. So mm-hmm. it's a dual role, um, just loving the journey. The company is also going through a, a, a different patch and trying to move into services right. and products as well. So our organization, our team is actually helping towards moving towards that part. So it's 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 great uh, and it's an adventure. So I love adventures. Yeah. So right. And the reason I'm called the Earth Shaker is because I like to move things, shake things up and because that's what all innovation is all about. So absolutely. Yeah. We're going to get to that Earth Shaker yeah. in a moment. But. Tell us a little bit about a chief of staff to the CTO of HP. What does that involve? Chief of staff role is basically making the CTO look great in front of customers mm-hmm. and leadership. At the same time, prioritizing where she needs to spend time. Right. Uh, I'm also do- looking at very strategic projects as well. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure out, okay, how to get different different teams aligned together because you have to work with the business units, right. you have to work with uh, leadership teams as well. So mm-hmm. how do you get them all together? A lot of negotiations. So people sure. think the chief of staff role is like just about you know supporting, 
just the CTO, but it's more than that. So especially when you're doing uh, very high strategic projects, mm -hmm. uh, then you have to deal with a lot of people and influencing them as well. Absolutely. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is also making sure that, uh, you know, my boss's name is Helen Holder. Mm -hmm. So making sure that she is, you know, talking at the right places with the right customers right. and prioritizing her time and her calendar as well with her EA. Yeah. So making sure that, you know, she doesn't spend too much time in doing things what I do. So I make her life a little bit easier. Right. So as to speak. So, right. but yeah, it's it's becoming um, a role which is becoming uh, very resonating too much in the in the tech space now. So Absolutely. Every, the, I see this happening also in the banking industry. Though I'm from Charlotte, right? So I see that you know there's a chief of staff role opening up there as well. So I think it's great because uh, you know time is. Time is precious. Uh, not many folks, uh, most of the exeters don't have that much time. So uh, you can offload that to the chief of staff. So we're kind of like shadowing the exeters in a way right. and prioritizing their time and, uh, you know, uh, time spent in attending conferences like what we're here at Trend right. right. the Future Festival, and also making sure that, um, you know, we can we can get people, the leadership to execute those, le those decisions right. as well. Right. So, yeah, it's it's Makes a tough sense. job, but someone's got to do it. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. So being an, a passionate person about innovation and change, new technologies, are you also involved in your uh, role to help find what's next and help find sort of prioritizing which partners to collaborate with, which startups to fund, and so forth. Is that part of your role as well? Yeah, uh, well, in this role, we work with HP Tech Ventures. Okay. So I used to be a part of that team before. So okay. we have an HP Tech Ventures team. Sure. So that team is focused on partnering and investing in startups. Right. So this role is like whenever you look at any new innovations where we need to focus on, uh, we go to that team to mm -hmm. figure out. And that is my ex-boss, Andrew Baldwell. I okay. love you, Andrew. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, and so we, we focus with, uh, you know, that team and trying to say, hey, this is where we want to look at, I mean, everyone's talking about AI right now, right? right? So what, how do you look at AI in the workforce space? Right. So then we go to the HP Tech Ventures team. They look at all the starters which are doing very unique stuff. Right. And we partner with them. So, uh -huh. no, so we have that group dedicated to do all those kind of things. And we, you know, get their insights, their advice. And then we, fo you know, then talk with the startups and, you know, figure out whether we need to partner or invest in them. Right. So in terms of new exciting technology for you personally, but also from HP's perspective, yeah. can you give us some examples? Personally, everyone knows I'm into blockchain and crypto, <laughs> right? I'm an XRP fan. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this convergence of blockchain, AI, crypto, and, and also the fact that uh, there are more new business cases and opportunities coming about it, right? Mm -hmm. I think, in a way, the pandemic has triggered a lot of things, you know, especially with digital transformation. Mm -hmm. So it's triggered, but many organizations looking into it. And now with AI, I mean, AI has been there for a long time. Right. But I think now with all the the buzz that ChatGPT has come about with mm -hmm. Gen AI, it's creating that 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 fact that every company needs to do something about it. Absolutely. So I think that's great for the for for the industry as a whole. And I think what what for me, I just love the fact that. You know, once we have regulations for the crypto industry, it's going to be even more. Uh, the growth is going to be more exponential because it's coming to a point where, uh, it you know, it, where we take things for granted. What I mean by that is today, for example, when you send money from the U.S. to mm -hmm. Canada mm -hmm. or to India, it mm -hmm. literally takes three days. Mm -hmm. so let's say I'm sending hundred bucks. Uh, the bank would take. 
at least thirty dollars from my end mm -hmm. for transaction fee. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're left with seventy dollars, mm -hmm. and then from the receiving end, probably another five dollars, mm -hmm. and that would come after three days. We have accepted that that's the norm. Right. Right. But with crypto, with what Ripple is doing, uh, you can do real-time transactions for a fraction of a cent. Wow. So if my watchman in India says, "Hey," I want, I want 10 bucks to my bank account, can you wire it? I'll say no way, because the transaction fee is going to be $30. Mm -hmm. So I would say, hey, wait for your monthly salary and I'll give you that money. So that's uh, that has an impact on the GDP of a, of a country as well, because right. for his willingness to spend that money, which now he has to wait for another 30 days, right? So there are companies out there trying to disrupt various markets um, and industries. So. I'm very, very passionate about this convergence of AI, blockchain, uh, and crypto. I think we met one metaverse company yesterday, and mm -hmm. uh, they were talking. You were there as well. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> so they were talking about like that's the same thing, right? Being a big mall with right. 100 million square feet, and right. I was asking the same question. I don't want to be in a 100 million square feet mall and then not figure out what to do. Right. And you know, and that's a very good example of convergence of. Crypto, voice assistant with AI, NLP technology, and all that good stuff, and of course the metaverse world, right? So yeah, metaverse. Uh, I don't know. We maybe we we went in a bit too early last year. Right. Um, but I think there's a big fan of digital NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So Nike is doing a great job as mm -hmm. well with that market. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean maybe paying you know uh, thousands of millions of dollars for a board ape NFT might not be the thing to mm -hmm. do. But I think digital NFTs is great, right? So so if I get an uh, a, an autograph from you, Ellie, mm -hmm. you know, and you know it's later on in the future you become a celeb, you already already a celeb. Of course. But you know you become a celeb, I'll say, <laughs> hey, I have an autograph. From Ellie, and they said, mm -hmm. No way you have an autograph from Ellie. Mm -hmm. So, but then I go and say, No, it's actually she signed it off the blockchain, right. and I have that. And I, then I have a nice, cute 3D printed figurine of you, right? Mm -hmm. And there's only five pieces of that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe when someone buys it from me, because I'm not a celeb, they say, right. Okay, I'll buy it for 100 bucks. But let's say uh, someone buys that figurine of. Uh, from let's say Jordan, Michael Jordan buys right, it up, right. and suddenly that value just appreciates, mm. right? So the good thing about that is because I was the original owner mm -hmm. of that digital NFT, right? Whatever transactions happen after that, I always get a commission. So I get a, I get like a three percent, and that's what the guy was saying yesterday as well, right? Right. right. So I was asking what's his business model, and he's like three percent of the transaction fee, the which is great compared yeah. to what people pay for the app store, right? Absolutely. All the developers pay like thirty percent. Mm -hmm. Right, so when you say 30%, 3%, so I mean, and that's the beauty of the metaverse because it's a part of the we are moving this transition from a web 2 world to a web 3 world. Mm -hmm. So, I think once you have that in place and where the users have the power, right? Right, you're seeing the user generated content having so much, uh, you know, dominance, especially with platforms like TikTok, of course. So, and how do you further enable them with? All these user-generated tools, also, sure. right, and creative tools out there. Sure. And I think that's where, uh, in the future, I think everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. Of course, yeah. yeah. Because they can leverage AI, blockchain, and whatnot. So, uh, I, I'm so excited with the use cases of mm -hmm. crypto and blockchain because the moment you say crypto, everyone thinks about Bitcoin. Right. But there are several use cases. So I think, um, especially in the in the future of finances, mm -hmm. what's going to happen is, uh, this is my belief that. You know, the governments are talking about central bank digital currencies, the mm -hmm. CBDCs. So uh, right now you have electronic or digital money, right. but you can't put anything on it, right? So right now, say, let's say I give you some money, 
and then Ellie, and then you say, hey, look, I will give you the money back mm -hmm. when I have that money in my bank account. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, it's been two months. Where is she? <laughs> right? But in the future, I can put a contract and say that as long as you have that money in the bank account, you cannot even stop it. That money will automatically come to me. So this is great for landlords and all that stuff. So today, you know, with the economy going up so high, mm -hmm. you know, with inflation and all that uh, stuff going on, the, a lot of folks are taking advantage of the system. So I remember when I was in California during COVID, I think California tenants just needed to pay like 30% of the rent. Right. Uh, and people are playing the system, gaming the system because, you know, sure. it, they knew they couldn't be thrown out and it wouldn't impact their credit score. Sure. But you could put a credit, uh, you could put a smart card saying that, hey, you know, look, if you have that money, that money come to me. If you mm. don't have the money, it's fine. So these are just few use cases. I think there are other use cases as well that, where, you know, when people die, like a lot of people died during COVID, right? Right. So there was this inheritance of transfer of wealth mm -hmm. and executing the will. All that is like a lot of hassle. You had to go behind the banks. Mm -hmm. uh, you had to go behind all the government agencies. Mm -hmm. But in the future, the moment, um, you know, the corporation council or whatever, you know, issues a debt certificate, then ex it, 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 it executes a smart contract. Right. And that co contract executes the will. That, con that will will make sure that automatically all the money goes to the respective people, what sure. was mentioned in the will. So just makes your life easy, right? Like doing online payments today rather than standing in the queue. Yeah. Right? So I think that's the world you're going to be in. And I think uh, today I was just seeing the news that uh, this crypto exchange called Kraken, mm -hmm. they are now going to provide stock trading as well. Okay. So in the future, what's going to happen is I think everything is going to be tokenized. You mm -hmm. want to call it NFT or whatever, right. but everything is going to be tokenized. So what that means is like, I can uh, buy an HP stock. Mm -hmm. With my HP stock, I can buy a coffee mm -hmm. or I can buy a crypto. It doesn't have to be always settling in whatever thing. So you can do atomic swaps. Mm -hmm. Probably in the future, they would. I don't know how the governments are going to play it out because they want to always make you settle in their uh, sovereign currency or fiat mm -hmm. currency or a CBDC. But do, I think that's the future we are moving in, where you can just swap things. Everything will have some value to attach to it. Sure. And uh, I think we're all waiting for regulations to come because once you have regulations, then this market as a whole would probably go up like 10 to 100x. I was going to say, you're talking a lot about the efficiencies and the fact that this brings improves lives for the wider masses. Um, but what about some of the risks involved? What about how do you control all of this and the restrictions? For instance, I, I know there's a difference between open metaverse and closed metaverse yeah. and those limitations. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So for any new technology, right? There's always risk involved, right? So I, I remember, I, I come from a telecom domain. Right. So when the smartphones came about, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, excited about the cameras. Sure. But again, people started doing a lot of funny things with the cameras as mm -hmm. well, right? But at the same time, there were, uh, you know, people also use cameras to become citizen journalists right. too, right? So, and then the selfies market was created by right. the users right. at the end of the day. So the same thing goes with the metaverse as well. We are at the point where uh, most of the stuff that you do in the metaverse, the problem is, people are still incorporating the Web2 models in the Metaverse. The Metaverse wants to be like a very much an open model, the Web3 model, where the users have control of their avatars, where they can, if you, if you I have a Ready Player Me avatar, mm -hmm. uh, digital avatar, right? But then sometimes it's not, a, it cannot be easily put in a different, different Metaverse because I the standards see. are not yet there. Right. So once you have that interoperability between different Metaverse environments, I think that's when 
things get very, very exciting because, and that takes time. Be it, uh, you know, we have had all those, uh, I, it's like, there's a reason why now iPhone, the latest iPhones is supporting USB-C, right. right? So those, I mean, it's been there for a long time. Yeah. So I think once the, the industry comes together, uh, you know, expecting that to happen overnight is next to impossible. It'll eventually happen. So I think the next couple of years, uh, we're still way away from Web3 metaverse world. Sure. We're in that, I would say we are in like the Web 2.x world. Right. Um, and I, th I, I would say give it another five to ten years and odd. Right. Yeah. It's uh, people say no Web3 is here. I don't think so. So for people who are novices in this space yeah. and we're not quite sure where to start to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm to not only become more familiar with Web3, with the metaverse, with augmented reality, with crypto, etc. What advice would you give? Where should people start? Start with your phone. Mm -hmm. So that's that's great. That's a big, that's a nice place to start. Uh, you know, you can do a lot of things on the metaverse on the phone. You don't need to use those headsets and buy those headsets. Right, right. So as to speak, right? So uh, everyone thinks, okay, metaverse is all about being immersive and all that stuff. It's mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it's an experience at the end of the day, right? So yeah. like how you see companies like Amazon where you want to buy a sofa set, you want to buy before you buy it online, you want to see if it actually fits your house, right? Right. So and now you have all those tools to make sure that you know with AR VR you can just position it using your phone and figure out, okay, it fits. You can do that with your phone today. Mm -hmm. So I think the same thing goes with the metaverse world or the crypto world is uh, A, to educate yourself what is going on. There's a right. lot of guys out there, a lot of influencers also misleading people. Right. So try to follow the right folks on Twitter. So I get all my news, normal news, crypto news, blockchain, even uh, for some of my research, I get it all from actually from TikTok right. and from Twitter. Right. Uh, you know, rather, because the problem is by the time you read these white papers, it's good for all these white papers and nothing against all the technologies out there, but mm -hmm. those are all published papers mm, and it's already right. outdated. Things change so fast, right? Right. So if you want to be up to that, up to date on all those news, I think Twitter is a great platform as long as you follow the right people. Right. Right. And and then you take in those inputs and insights from them and then do an evaluation, say, does this guy make sense or not? And then brainstorm. There's so many community conferences mm -hmm. uh, and you can brainstorm with people who are all trying to uh, empower the common man mm -hmm. uh, to be financially independent. That's my goal at the end of the day. So, uh, because at the end of the day, we are moving to a world which is a very, uh, especially the next generation, they are all digital natives, right? Mm -hmm. the, f the first thing they do is play with the phone. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that that whole cycle of educating them has gone away. Like, for me as a uh, as an Indian, I mean. If you go today and do any payments in India, everyone's doing through Google Payments mm -hmm. and um, you know and Paytm and all that stuff. The reason is because they went through a pain when we had the demonetization going on in India. Right. So when that phase happened, it created a lot of pain, but people were still looking for a solution, and that's right. how you know all these mobile payments. You know, so about. everything's digital in India right. right now, but in the U.S., people I still get uh, some checks coming to my mailbox. So we are, uh, yeah, so I think that's the world we're moving in, right? So sure. people are not aware, okay, what's going on in, in other parts of the world. So I think for a company like HP, right, it's it's great for us to uh, showcase some of our products and services in the mm -hmm. metaverse. 
because you know we bought a lot of companies as well, like HyperX. Mm -hmm. uh, we bought the Poly as well. Mm -hmm. So people, we, uh, there's only so much space that you can show everything across the world. But now people can go to the metaverse environment. They can see and play and touch and feel. Mm -hmm. So you have all those things right now to go ahead and experience it. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of the metaverse, right? At the end of the day, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Uh, you don't have to do it all on a metaverse, but then there are some experiences people don't have. Like they want to buy a new laptop, okay, great. Or, or a new monitor, right, for example. Mm -hmm. First thing you want to do is figure out if that monitor actually fits in your sure, home uh, sure. because the space might not be big, especially in metropolitan cities where, <laughs> like in Toronto, it's like extremely expensive. Right. Right. So, so people are staying in small apartments or whatnot. So the last thing you want to have a big ass monitor and next thing you know, it doesn't fit on your wall. Right. So I think uh, those kind of experiences you can provide and, and provide them with options as well and also interact and engage with the community because while you're shopping, you want to ask someone, hey, dude, what do you think about this monitor, mm -hmm. right? So you can have and do have those kind of experiences in, in the metaverse, which you don't do on online shopping, right? right? So I think those are the challenges that can overcome, be overcome once you are in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. um, and it's slowly getting there. So it's a journey. It is a yeah. journey, yeah. Um, I want to go back to your role at HP uh, a little bit. Most of us, when we hear HP, will think printers yeah. and personal computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Educate us a little bit about what else HP does that is in line with this AI era. Yeah, so HP is beyond laptops <laughs> and printers. I just want to put it out there, right? We have bought amazing companies like Teradici, Poly. Uh, HyperX, so we are into gaming, we are into uh, workforce collaboration services, uh, we are trying to make the world a much better place. Mm -hmm. We we believe in this mantra on hybrid work as well, because as you see, you know, the house is becoming a space, more and more a space to work, play, entertain yourself. How can HP be a part of that journey for everyone, right? right? So I think data is getting very much personalized as well. So mm -hmm. we. We place a lot of emphasis on security and making sure that, you know, we are not in the business of selling your data, yeah. right? That is not us, right? So what, what we do is like make sure that your data is secure uh, and we are a company that it's credible that you can trust your data with, right? Because right. you're doing all the stuff at home, mm -hmm. right? And what, what we are trying to do in the next phase is uh, because of inflation and all these things going on, like, uh, you know, there are so many macros out there, right? So mm -hmm. who knows, God forbid that oil prices cross $100 per barrel. Mm -hmm. It has an impact on the consumer electronics devices market, right? The things going on in China and in Taiwan. So all that has an impact on us mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, uh, and the inflation that's going on right now. Right. So, you know, so here we're looking at how do you provide bundle services and a subscription services for right. all our products and services so that people don't have to feel the pain to do an upfront payment. So we're looking and listening to our customers as well. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to look at, uh, help them to come and create an environment where when they pick a laptop, they know, okay, this is the, the right headset or the mics and all these kind of stuff that goes along with it, which is optimized for the laptop that they buy and right. for the printers too, right? right. So Instant Ink uh, is huge. Uh, I would highly recommend you all to get into Instant Ink. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, it's not a, just a subscription model. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great recommendation engine right. as well. And what it does is uh, it, it gives you peace of mind. Sure. So it's an auto replenishment model wherein mm -hmm. once it knows the ink cart the levels of the ink cartridges goes down, mm -hmm. it automatically ships to you the ink cartridges. Brilliant. You pay like four bucks or five bucks per month. Sure. And boom, it just comes to your thing. So you don't have to like, oh my god, I forgot right. to you know buy my cartridges to print stuff. Mm -hmm. So 
I think those are the kind of areas where we have used AI for all that kind of services. So uh, HP has been in working on AI for a very, very long time. Right. Uh, it's just that the market is talking a lot about it now. So of course. we've been doing it for a decade and odd. Right. And your company is also, from what I know and, and personal experience, very user focused. You talked about listening to your customers and getting closing that feedback loop with your product teams. But how do you go about designing new products and services with the user in mind? So, for instance, more accessible tools and more inclusive tools. Yeah. I mean, we have a great NPS uh, score team. Right. So they give us uh, the inputs like what people want from the devices. And again, at the end of the day, I mean, though we focus a lot on the design and how sexy it needs to look at, mm -hmm. still people are still looking at, uh, can you give us more battery life? Right, right. right. Can you make it less heavy for right. us to go for conferences and all that right, stuff? Right, right. So I think there are, uh, there are all these other things that we look at, like can you make it a foldable and all that right. good stuff is there. Sure. But end of the day, if, if you can give uh, a laptop which lasts for three days mm -hmm. uh, without battery. Oh my God, you know. So those are the things which um, we are focusing on trying to figure out how we can offload that compute or the, so that, you know, because now with all this AI data models going on, it takes a lot of juice from your laptops, right? So you need to have it always on. Right. So we're looking at ways how do we can offload that uh, compute onto the edge services and then uh, have a more better user experience on those laptops as well. So. Uh, Speaking with the design teams, speaking with the user experience teams, the business units, uh, because we have something called long-term planning as well. Mm -hmm. So we figure out, okay, what's the plan for the next 12 to 18 months? Mm -hmm. And then my team is looking at things uh, beyond that as well. So mm -hmm. having that alignment, you know, b what I do in the future, uh, and those future trends need to align to what we're doing right now as right. well. And educating our, our sales folks, right? Say that, hey, these are the things that's going out right now. Right. Because they need to channel that out to their customers sure. at the end of the day. So we have... Uh, a beautiful customer experience center in Palo Alto and Houston. Please do join and please do come. Always invited. So, yes, just to get our customers to know what's going on over there. Right. And see what the, and the, what the experience is like with the 3D printer, right? Yeah. So, a lot many people know that we have, uh, this is one of our incubations, which now is a company called HX3D, which is 3D printed keycaps. So, wow. yeah, it's cute. The Cozy Cats was the first one. So, you know, especially for markets in like in Asia and all, they like to personalize. As you can see, I love personalizing my things as well with <laughs> all these funny t-shirts and whatnot. So, uh, people like to personalize, be unique. Of course. Right? And, uh, and, it, and I have my personalized mustache as well. Mm -hmm. So, I think people like to be standing out, and especially when you have your your laptop or a gaming, especially gamers, they they just want to be unique. They they are not like when you go to the gaming room. They're like they if no one says wow, what a setup, mm -hmm. that is a huge disappointment for them. Right. So everyone's focused on lighting, the furniture, the tables, the chair. Apart from just so we're looking at all those aspects as well, right. and creating and again when you kill somebody, you know, you know, then it, you know you have the red red effect and all that stuff. So lighting plays a big role as well. Of course. So I think that is the kind of experience we are focused on. Which traditionally in the past we we're like, hey, we just focus on the laptop, right. don't focus on anything else. But now I think it's a it's a whole new experience as well. Sure. So I think uh, we have all these devices right now. It's about how do you make take advantage of these devices even for notifications right mm -hmm. because these have all these rgb lights and mm -hmm. and so like let's say i'm playing too much of uh, you know uh, minecraft or whatever right mm -hmm. and then i get a, my lights go red because my mom is calling me up so i need to pick up that <laughs> phone call right because i'm too immersed in the game mm -hmm. so those 
very subtle things we can figure it out right now. We don't have to do like crazy things. Little uh, by little. Right. So, and, and those are the, the little things that really uh, impact the user's experience at the end of the day. Absolutely. And that's such an important point. Anything from ergonomics to the look and yeah. feel of yeah. these devices, so much thought and effort and research are put into coming up with that that I think a yeah. lot of people forget about. So um, we appreciate it. Yeah. And one last question for you, Luke, sure. before I let you go. All right. If there was a theme song that would play every time you walked out, what would that song be? Theme song. I'm into trance music, techno trance. So I don't, <laughs> it's only music, so there's no language here. But uh, uh, it's a uh, but. I sing the song sometimes when I'm, you know, things don't go my way, which is give me hope, Joanna, give me oh, hope, Joanna, yeah. give me hope, <laughs> Joanna, before morning comes. So that's my kind of, you know, kind of song, inspiration song every day. I love it, Mr. Yeah. Earthshaker. <laughs> thank you so much, Luke, for thank joining you, us today. You, it's been an absolute thank pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. And that's a wrap. <laughs>